thing was, you know, Find a Grave lets you have messages back. And there were so many messages of people saying, this was my mom's brother. She's never seen his gravesite. This is amazing. You're listening to the Stories Behind the Stars podcast, and I'm your host, Tatiana Fallon. This podcast is run by the organization Stories Behind the Stars. We have the goal of writing a story for every service American service member killed during World War II. That's over 420,000. We are accomplishing this goal through amazing volunteers who you will hear in this podcast as they research and write these stories. If you're at all interested in becoming a volunteer and researching and writing these stories, please check us out at storiesbehindthestars.org. Thank you so much for your time, and I hope you enjoy this amazing content that we're finding. Welcome to today's episode. I have the opportunity to be with Kobe Crump, who was one of our database managers for our Pearl Harbor project. Could you take a little bit of, um, and introduce yourself to our listeners? I sure can. Um, my name is Kobe. I live in the Salt Lake Valley in Utah. Uh, I got involved with Stories Behind the Stars when we started the Utah Pilot Project. I had seen a, a newspaper story. No, it was on a website. That's right. It was on a website, and I thought, this is kind of interesting. Um, a little bit of backstory of why I thought it was interesting is I've really enjoyed learning about World War II most of my life. It's one of the periods that just fascinates me. Um, and my family in 2012, I believe, went to Normandy and we spent a week in Normandy and that was amazing. And we got to the cemetery and, you know, I was, I guess I was expecting in the first part of Saving Private Ryan, the man collapses down because of the overwhelmingness of it. And I got there and I thought, no, I'm not going to have the same reaction because he has people here. But I, I overwhelmingly thought... It was sad for the waste, but the, the word that kept coming into my head was remember, remember, remember. And I thought, how do you do that? I'd, I'm not sure how you do that. And, you know, 10 years ago, I don't know. I thought, well, what, what could we do? And we were sitting one night and didn't have anything else to do the next day. No plans. It was just kind of, let's go find something to eat. Let's go see if we've missed anything. And my mom mentioned find a grave. And she said, we should see if there's any requests for find a grave on, on this cemetery. This is far enough away. It's not like you can get in your car and just jaunt on here for an afternoon visit. So we picked, we had about 35 or 40 names on there and thought we can go spend an hour and do this. So everybody took their cameras and we just walked down the rows and got those pictures and then a bunch of pictures of everybody else around it. And that was really cool. And I spent, you know, a couple of weeks uploading those and doing whatever. Um, the first really cool thing about that was we all sort of started to notice that most of them were from the same state. Went, hmm, somebody must be doing a project. It ended up being the Bedford boys that we took pictures of all of their markers. It was really cool. You know, and then I read the books about them. And then the next thing was, you know, Find a Grave lets you have messages back. And there were so many messages of people saying, this was my mom's brother. She's never seen his gravesite. This is amazing. This is so wonderful. We're so glad she can't make it. And so we're so glad she could see it. So that just kind of really stuck with me of 
that's a little itty bitty thing that we did it. That was nothing, you know, it was a couple of hours. And I thought when I saw, you know, stories behind the stars, I thought this is a better way of doing this. And so that's kind of how I got involved. And, you know, more and more, I enjoy it more and more. I, I hear the stories, I read the stories, you know, especially being a project director, you get to see a bigger chunk of things versus your little bitty stories that you're doing. So it's been amazing. So can I ask, do you have family that served in World War II then? That's what kind I, of led you to love it or to be interested in it? My grandfather served in the Pacific. Um, he joined after Pearl Harbor. He was a Marine. I'm not sure why he thought that was the better choice, but that was the choice he made. Um, luckily, before he passed away, my mom was able to get him to sit down and talk about some of his experiences. He didn't talk about a lot. So that was the first one. And then my grandmother's cousin was killed off of Okinawa. And he was, I, I have this memory now of us going to the cemetery and I didn't realize we would go on Memorial Day, you know, and they would do the activities at the cemetery. We would sit by his headstone. And it took me until a couple of years ago when we went out there and I went, I remember this place. So he's kind of always been this big thing in the ether kind of thing of this person that fought and he died and he was so young. Well, now, you know, looking at it and being able to see pictures of him and he actually is on one of the books that one of our authors has written. He talks about him. So it's been really fun to learn what happened to him and understand the sacrifice that he made coming from the direction of the military, knowing the family direction already, so. Wow, that's such a cool, cool connection there. I always like to ask that question because I feel like for a lot of us doing this work, there is some kind of family relation that, you know, makes it a little bit more personal for us to do all this work. And that's really awesome. So um, when you, in 2012, like people had smartphones, but they weren't like as prevalent as they no. do now. no. So you were just taking pictures on you're like a, a digital? Digital camera. Okay. My family has a really, really bad habit of taking too many pictures on vacation. And so we all have a full setup of a camera. So it's not a big deal for us to go out. And on average, a trip will take three or 4,000 pictures. So going to the cemetery and taking, I think we took three or four pictures per headstone to make sure we got a good, you know, that wasn't a big deal at all. Well, that's awesome. And that's so cool that your mom just thought, hey, we should check this out, you know, like and knew about Find a Grave and knew yeah. about what they was doing and what an amazing experience as a family. So then what made you decide to volunteer to be the database manager for Pearl Harbor? Um, I, I'd received the email and I, you know, kind of didn't think about it after I received it. One of those where you go, eh, no, not for me. And I just kept thinking, well, who else is going to do it? You know, and not in a bad way at all, but just people have to step up and be in charge and maybe this will show you a different side of it. And, you know, maybe I, I work in accounting in real life. And so I thought maybe some of my organizational accounting skills could help manage this. And so I emailed Don and said, I, I think I, I can do it. He said, great, let's, well, I emailed and said, I'll help with either Arlington or Pearl Harbor. And he said, which one do you want? I thought, well, let's do Pearl Harbor. So that's, you know, it was just thought it was an interesting 
direction to go. Definitely the accounting skills and those organizational spreadsheets are a huge help in a database. You know, yeah. a lot of the work is, it's just getting those names and getting them all put in with the correct information is so much work, you know, and, and, and I don't think that like the podcast, we talk about a lot of the stories, which are, you know, powerful and impactful, but not only, we don't always understand the amount of work that goes in on the back end to even find the name. Right. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, Pearl Harbor was, a, we'll put it in quotes, an easy list because we kind of know a lot about it. A lot of our history of World War II is kind of focused on that. So the names there, and even though everybody knows that date, everybody knows what happened, you know, we were still finding bits and pieces. And I, I, I have to give it up for the people that worked on the database. You know, we would turn around and they would have everything filled out. They would do hundreds of names so quickly. And I just thought, wow, you guys are amazing to find all of this information and to get it and put it in there. And then, you know, it makes it so much easier for the writers that they just can click little links and go, oh, there it all is. Now I can find the good stuff. Yeah, that's a huge part of like making this project work smoothly and, and effectively, you know, so we are so appreciative of that. You know, I, when you volunteered it, you probably didn't realize, oh, this is going to take oh, three months of my life. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. I, I thought, oh, it'll it'll be really busy for the a little bit, then it'll calm down and we'll probably get really busy for a little bit more. And it, it started really busy and then kind of calmed down and then it got busy and busier and busier and busier. <laughs> But that's great. You know, I think there's a certain energy to it that I think sometimes helps, you know, having a deadline that it helps you go, okay, let's push this stuff that really is a waste of time. You know, put the phone down. You don't need to play a next round of whatever game. Go do something actually useful and helpful. So. Yeah, no, we really appreciate all of the work that you did. And then also, you know, Allison and Jackie as well. So in your, have you been able to do um, your cousin's story on, on Fold 3? or? Um, he was assigned to somebody else. He was from Utah, so he was assigned to somebody else, and that's great. I actually think that's better. Um, I have been tossing around the idea of kind of doing a short little book with some pictures, and then I've got some letters he wrote to my grandma. We'll see what happens there and see what kind of stuff I can come up with. But that's kind of in the back of my head. It might be years before I come up with anything. But I, I appreciate the person who did the story. I passed it along to lots of family members and they they love reading it. So that's one thing that I think though is a great value. Like I was sitting down with my niece. Uh I don't remember what we were talking about, but she mentioned something about uh studying world war ii history and stuff and i said yeah well you know you have a great great uncle and because he's my great uncle who was killed in in world war ii and um she's like wait what really <laughs> and so you know we thankfully my grandmother was an avid historian and had written and compiled many things so i could show her what we have actually on family search Mm -hmm. um for in his name and she was like whoa he was so handsome and like had this really cool you know experience with with this you know with his life and with his great great niece right um and I think for keeping those family records you know we sometimes don't put a lot of value in them because like well who's gonna ever read it right but it's yes. like well 
your posterity will like mm-hmm. at some point will they will want that and they'll appreciate that that someone took the time and effort to put it together um and so i think that's one of the thing that i really love about this project is that it's not going to be read by millions of people but it's going to be read by those people who really want to know it and well, that's where the great value comes in absolutely and i think you know we still have even if we don't have the people still alive that knew them, you know, the grandparents that have passed away since, there's still somewhat of a memory of people that knew them. And I think what would we give to be able to talk to our great, great, great grandparents, you know, the ones that immigrated the United States, the ones that, you know, were farmers and we would give anything to have memories written down about them. So in a generation or two, that's going to be the same thing. We're going to have these memories that they may be a little bit colorful though that's not even the right word they may be a little bit enhanced or maybe a little bit skewing positive you know but that's kind of how I think that's how we want to remember people is a bit more on the positive side if there were some things that eh, but that we have these memories of them and we have a good picture of them I like to say we can do the dates the dates are fine you know birth marriage death that's fine let's put some color on these people let's you know I, I, there's some stories that I did. One guy, he was like a chess champion and a ping pong champion. And I thought, that's the greatest thing. It doesn't tell us anything earth shattering, but that he loved ping pong and he loved chess, you know? So these are fun things and I'm glad they're not going to be lost. Yeah, we can't fit it on the headstone, but we can fit it, you know, in the database. And yeah. I, that does add a lot to the character, you know. <laughs> one of the, one of the, I did a podcast with someone, he was talking about how his favorite story was when this one guy stole a horse. <laughs> and, like, and then he was riding a horse and back into camp after he had like, you know, something happened to him. And I was like, you know, that adds a lot of like, personality to that you know those dates you know when they're like oh they could ride a horse and they knew how to capture one and like you know like you know lots lots of character to the the person there so do you have any stories in particular that really stood out to you as you've been doing this research um for Pearl Harbor there were a couple um the Barber brothers the three brothers that were killed just always it breaks my heart because I just think that poor family you know how how do you even move forward from that? And they didn't, you know, a lot of the guys in Pearl Harbor, I'm sure they knew that war was coming. You can't really not, but it's one thing to join up once war was declared, you've kind of had a clearer vision of what was happening. These guys, you know, they may or may not have known it was coming. And that's a really, it's a really hard thing to wrap your brain around, you know, and then these poor families. And I think, Oh my goodness. Um, there was another one that we did and I'm, I wrote so for our, real quick for our listeners who haven't heard the story of the Barber brothers. Can you uh, just expound on it a little bit? Um, I'm trying to remember which ship they were on. Were they the Oklahoma, I believe. And they, all three of them died that day and they have just identified their bodies and buried them back in Wisconsin together. Was it this last winter or fall? I can't remember exactly. But I thought that's amazing that they can do that and bring them home, you know, that they got the, I guess the family got the closure that they deserved and these guys can rest together. So, yeah, it looks like they were all on the Oklahoma. Um, so I'm not sure 
if we know what happened to them specifically or just that they were all killed that day. Yeah. So I guess, it, you know, they weren't really, I mean, it's the first attack that, you know, and they weren't really expecting it. So, you know, there was not a lot they could have done to, yeah. to prevent all three of them being on the ship at the same time. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, yeah. And then there was another one. Um, I wrote it down and I'm going to mess up his last name. His name is Albin Morass or Emrace or M-R-A-C-E. He was killed at Pearl Harbor. And, you know, as we would look through the stories, people would, you know, we would go and check the profiles, make sure everything kind of looked okay. And sometimes you had time to kind of read a little bit more into the stories. Sometimes it was like, oh yeah, it looks like we got everything. But this guy dies at Pearl Harbor. His parents are immigrants, which I always think is an amazing thing that the sons and daughters, whatever they go on to do, it's an amazing thing. But then the family lost another son in 1944 in France and a third son in the Philippines in 1945. And I thought that, again, what a sacrifice that those families made, you know, that they were immigrants, that their adopted country asked so much of them. So that one just struck me. And, you know, it makes me really sad when I think about it. And then I think, wow, you know, what do you do? <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. So how, like, as you were doing the research at Pearl Harbor, then how did you know that they, I guess you just. Somebody had mentioned in the story they'd written for him that said oh, okay. there were three brothers and then kind of a paragraph below the Pearl Harbor stuff. It said this brother number two died in France and brother number three died in the Philippines. And I thought, oh, wow, that, that family hit kind of all the major points of the war. Yeah, that's true. Pearl Harbor, the first instant ever, yeah. and then France, and then the Philippines. Yeah, that's, you, that's true. Yeah. So, I wonder if the brother died at Pearl Harbor, then the other brothers enlisted. Uh, after yeah, that happened. Uh, I'll bet we'll be able to find out soon when we do the stories <laughs> of the brothers. So, so, yeah, that's true. Wow. I, yeah. I'll have to check and see if they, we've done the the brother in France. I'm not sure if he died on D-Day or if he died later on in France. Yeah, it's, it's hard to, you know, there's yeah. there's so much conflict there. It's, you know. So then what is, uh, do you have any other stories that you want to share? It's fine if you don't, that's, that's totally I, I, I have one more, I thought I would do three. Um, his name was Julius Ellsbury. He was from Alabama. They think he was the first African-American killed. You know, who, who knows what's, the timing of everything was, but for sure the first African-American killed out of Alabama. And the thing that struck me about his story is the African-American community that he was from in Alabama raised $300,000 in war bonds. And they pur purchased, we'll put that in quotes, purchased a B-24 with that money. And I, that just struck me as, again, knowing the way society was back in the 40s that is such a sacrifice for you know for, for a difficult life that people were living and you know difficult life in terms of the depression difficult life in terms of society i just thought that's an amazing amazing story i'm interrupting the podcast right now to make a plug for our arlington project we're in the middle of it right now we're hoping to get these done by the 4th of July, 
and there's so many amazing stories here to be found. So if you are new to the to the project, please visit storiesbehindthestars.org and click the volunteer button. If you've already been a volunteer and you've just kind of gotten busy, consider giving a little bit more of your time and contacting us to get some names to start doing research for these Arlington stories. They're quite phenomenal and um, just be part of a really amazing national project. Um, and then also, if you're new to the podcast, please consider subscribing so that when we put out new episodes, you can be notified and you can listen to these really awesome stories as we're finding them. Wow, I love that story. Because you see it in so many of these stories as you're finding is that these, these you know, the Japanese that were interned in those camps and then mm-hmm. their sons went off and, and they were killed in the, the one of the best units that was in the European theater, absolutely phenomenal uh, effective units they you know you hear about these you know i was i'm just reading a book i'm doing a podcast in, in next week about this family from norway you know not or yeah norway and they were part of the axis i mean so and they 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 were immigrant family from norway and they lost four sons and so it's like you hear this story over and over again about these families who come to america don't have the easiest life here like uh and then they're still willing to to give up their their boys and their and their families and um and then you know give so much back to a country who like it seems like doesn't always do right by them exactly Exactly. (laughs) you you think we, we we should be doing so much better to honor these people to honor the people that were killed to honor their family sacrifice you know when they maybe couldn't, didn't have to, you know, I know that pressures from everybody else was saying, join up, join up. And they probably could have said no, but I think these, these men and women sacrifice so much. Yeah. It makes me think about like, um, I don't know. I was listening to another podcast about AI. I listened to a lot of different things because I I hate doing my dishes, so I try to find <laughs> things to do while I do the dishes. But anyways, it was talking about how this guy, I don't agree with him, but he said, like, America and democracy is broken, and, you know, we have we have to, like, it's just going to crumble and fall apart. And I was like, you're so cynical. It's not broken. Like, you just don't understand the American people. And it's like, look at, and he's like, you know, China's much more of an effective place to live. And I was like, what? You're so, this is so twisted. Like, just go back in history. Look at some, like, look at the stuff that was happening when World War II. We were way broken then. We were super broken then. But people were still willing to fight for an idea, even if the idea was somewhat executed in a broken manner, because Mm -hmm. it was so much more better than the tyranny that was existing in Europe and all over the other world. Right. And Absolutely. so as, as we hear more of these stories, it's just so inspiring to be like, no, wait, this this concept of freedom of the individual and rule of law is worth fighting for. And they saw that even though the law wasn't always fair with them and the individual freedom wasn't always there. Yes. And yes. it just that's such a cool story that blows my mind to see yeah. the character of those people. Yeah. Wow. That, that they could have just said, nope. We got to We got to go on living how we live. We don't have the money. We don't have, and look what we're, look at how we're treated. And yet they stepped, stood up, 
you know, and I think that's kind of, I, I guess maybe the overarching thing is to honor those who stood up and said, of course, we'll, we'll do what we need to do. Yeah. Well, so one thing I always love to ask people about uh, on the podcast is what have, has doing this project changed you or changed your perspective at all? Um, I think it has. I think, you know, studying World War II, you kind of get the big picture. It's the American Army, the Marines going and doing this, the Army Air Corps, you know, that it was always a big picture thing where now we're going to the individual person of, yes, this person was fighting at the Battle of the Bulge. This person, you know, their plane was shot down over Italy all of these different things that you think there was so much going on and so many people doing so many things. And I'm just amazed every time I, you know, start thinking about what do you, what do you, what are, what did they all do? How did all of this happen with the zero of the technology we have today? You know, I think what they always ask the question, you know, if you could go back in history, where would you go? I would truly love to be, on the ocean crossing over on D-Day just to see what that looked like because that had to have been amazing just a spectacle like you'd never you know and I think we we understand the spectacle and now we're going to understand the people we're going to understand the immigrant stories we're going to understand you know the the the, the hard life that a lot of these guys had before they even joined up you know they'd been through the depression and that was a life altering experience and then go to the next life altering experience. And, you know, and here they go. And I think, I think of, you know, like my grandfather and he, he started out in San Diego, stopped at Pearl Harbor. Then he went through the islands and he was in, was he in Tarawa and a couple other places. And I thought this young kid coming out of a teeny tiny farming town in Idaho what did he think he was seeing and how did, how did he respond to that? You know, and what kind, what kind of world did he think we live in? You know, and I, I, I would love to have him back to ask that question now is what, what was it like to see those things? You know, cause now for us, we go, Oh, this little teeny tiny, teeny tiny Island in the Pacific. Let's Google it. Oh, look, there's a map. Oh, look, there's a picture. Oh, look, you know, it's look it's a webcam we can see what they're doing right now there's not a lot of surprises in the world but I think this group of people they had these vague ideas of places and we sent them off to to fight in these places that who knows you know it's it's really really hot in the pacific you know and it's jungle and this this that the other thing so it's just it's a it's been a very I guess eye-opening in the the personal scale of it all really love what you said you know we understand the big picture and now we get to see the individual's part I thought that was just really profound way to look at it you know because it is like this huge amount of manpower that took and we 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 get that but we don't know oh it was you know it was John that was Mm -hmm. there or it was you know it was these individuals that were there doing it and I really love that you kind of put that 
and very very beautifully put that in as way to understand what exactly is this project doing it's helping us understand that big huge thing on an individual basis and I love that well and I think it helps and hopefully for you know the younger kids now and the next generations and so they can see that it wasn't just World War II you know I talked to my nieces and nephews and a lot of times it's a two or three class thing because it's the end of the year and they got to get World War II done and they got to move on and they got to get through all the history after World War II. So it's a two or three day thing that World War II and I think that doesn't cover the start of World War II. But maybe if we can get them to read the stories of these guys that are their age, you know, these were kids that most of them were kids that went off and did this. Maybe they can say these people did a lot of really hard things when they were still children or young adults, you know. I've read a story about a guy who was 14 or 15 when he joined up and his family didn't even know he joined up and they didn't know he was, they didn't know he had joined up until they got the knock on the door of he's not here. And I thought, 15 years old, that's the age of my nephew who I'm going I don't know that he would, you know, he's he very good kid, very studious, but I don't know that he would have the to do that. Right. Yeah. No, definitely not. It's a different generation though, obviously, yes, yes. you know, coming from the, the, uh, the depression, you know? <clears throat> so, um, then the last question I always love to ask people is what advice would you have to somebody thinking about volunteering? If, if any, Um, I would say come in and try it. I would say that it's not, it could be just about writing stories, but it could be about helping in a thousand other ways. You know, I know we're doing the database stuff. Um, We're working on pictures. There's a a lot of different ways you can come in and help. And I think it, it, it's very life affirming. It's very, inspirational to come in and read these stories you know yes it takes a bit to go okay I know how in the the big picture all of these stories end we know that but let's let's remember their lives and let's help this remembrance go forward and I think it gives so much perspective and there's so many so many resources available now to do it Uh, you know you always joke about yeah you can do genealogy in your pajamas well you can do these in your pajamas too and once you've practiced and done a few of them you can you know knock them out in a day or two I like to do some research sit on it for a little bit and then come back in a couple of days and make see what I missed or see if there's anything I I want to add but you can do these really quickly they don't take months of research we're not expecting you to write you know, the next Pulitzer Prize winning book on a person, but come help us do, do this project and come, come learn about people. I think it's, I've started actually making a spreadsheet of where all of the people that I do the stories on are buried. Cause I thought if I go out traveling and I go near, I could go see the little town that they're from, or, you know, some of the bigger cemeteries, I, I would have somebody that I could go look at their headstone and go, I know, I know somebody who was buried here. So I, I, I think it's a great project and it's a wonderful way of 
learning and also appreciating everything, you know, so much appreciation for what they sacrificed and for what we haven't had to sacrifice because they did that. I really like that you said about, you know, in that database of where they're buried because um, we, I didn't write the story, but we went and did some filming for um, just to, for the D-Day project um, here locally. There's a, a D-Day fallen buried at Zachary Taylor uh, Cemetery, right where we live. And, and so it's interesting because my, my sister lives close by to that. And every time I'll drive by, I'm like, oh yeah, I know someone there. And he climbed the, the, the cliffs at D-Day with a rope and, and like, you know, I, I know his story. Right. And it's mm-hmm. just, it changes, it changes your town almost, yes. you know, yes. it changes where you live. And, and I, I just, if this will come out next week of the podcast, <clears throat> well, it's come out probably before this podcast, but you know, Jackie talked about how it changed to her whole perspective of her high, her son's high school because she was doing the names from her high school that that and found out like the gymnasium was dedicated after him like the flag banner was dedicated after him like <clears throat> just changed their whole town to know that these stories actually like create where we are and and where we are living and the names of the streets I did another one where it's like yeah like all these streets I grew up I didn't know why they were named them, but turns out they were all named after World War II fallen from this town. Yes, yes. It it makes everything so much more personal. And, you know, cemeteries by nature aren't the funnest places to go. But I think maybe this can help people when you're at your, you know, at the cemetery, when you're driving past, you can at least say, oh, that, that there's somebody there that sacrificed and I know their story and their story is not going to be lost to us. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Kobe, for taking some of our time. And I can't say thanks enough for your willingness to give so much of your time doing the, the Pearl Harbor project. And um, it's, it's a beautiful thing that's done and we're working on getting that app finished so that it can be something that people are going to be able to use for, you know, decades and decades. Um, if, and it's just amazing to have such awesome people willing to help us with this. And we really appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's been, it's been fun and it's been a great project and I hope we can get more people to come out and help us and just keep moving forward.